Welcome to another episode of Axe and Blood Audios Gamers Official RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. Joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Cat. How are you doing? Getting ready to head over to Jolly Old England again next week. Yeah, you're leaving us again. I know. But I'll come home eventually. Um, but in the meantime, I'll leave you in the capable hands of Eric Van Allen, who actually hosts his own RPG podcast on the side about Mass Effect. Oh, that's right. He does. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing. Yes, yeah, you'll be in good hands, Nadia. He'll take care of you. <laughs> how old is he and how old am I? <laughs> <laughs> and also, yeah, he'll probably talk about Greedfall, which he reviewed last week and we haven't gotten around to. And I apologize. It's been out for a little bit, but there will be a Greedfall review, I promise. I'm going to make him do it while he's here next week. Yes, so we'll put that on the docket. Yeah, in the meantime, we got a bunch of stuff that we need to hit on, including... We're just going to talk, we're going to have Katie on very briefly to talk about the Nino Kuni remaster that is coming out on Nintendo Switch. We'll talk a little bit about Link's Awakening. We're going to talk about a bunch of the RPG news, but the main topic this week is a fall RPG preview in which we look ahead to the rest of the games that are coming out in what is shaping out to be a fairly busy holiday season. There, there are a couple of real gems, but I would say that that's also really heavy on the ports this year. <laughs> It really is. Um, it's great for me because I have so many games that I missed the first time and I can catch up on them. But um, if you've already played some of these, you might be like, oh, well, uh, I guess I'll go make a sandwich then. <laughs> Nani, are you buying a Nintendo Switch Lite? Uh, I would very much like to because my husband and I were talking about this and um, I would like to have a Switch Lite just to put my RPGs on because I have so many RPGs that are like, taking up so much of the space on the Switch. Like, I try to download a new one, and the Switch is like, oh, would you like to archive this other massive-ass RPG you downloaded two years ago? And it's like, well, not really. It's like, you're going to have to because you're out of space. So if I had, like, my own separate sort of little RPG machine, uh, that'd be really handy because I almost never play in docked mode. I, I'm almost exclusively handheld anyway. So just looking at the pictures and, and videos of everyone with their you know, sweet little Switch lights it makes me jealous. You would have to pay me to get a Switch Lite. <laughs> you wouldn't even, like, take one for free? Like, here you go, cat. here's a Switch Lite. You'd be like, nope, you gotta pay me. All right, here's ten bucks. Take the Switch Lite. I'd probably take the free one. <laughs> okay, that makes some sense. <laughs> and then sell it. <laughs> okay, that's a... <laughs> to some other idea. sucker. Oh, just kind of flip it. That's, that's economics, baby. But it's green. So, I mean... Wow. It's more, more of an aqua, more of a turquoise. It's a very pretty color. Look, I totally understand why Nintendo did the Switch Lite. It makes total sense in the context it of does. the market. There will be a lot of people who go out and buy it because it's cheaper. Uh, it'll go over well in Japan where it's lighter. And a lot of people mm -hmm. have already been complaining about how heavy the OG Switch is. There are people who want to play, put a Switch in their pocket for some reason. I literally can't imagine a pocket's deep enough to be able to hold a switch but more power to you and it's basically a giant ps vita yeah it kind of is um and i guess that's one reason that would deter me from getting a uh a switch Lite is because um i think that the screen is a perfectly a perfectly good size on the switch and i would not really want to kind of take away from that that image quality especially when you have so many games out there like you know the the new Link's awakening which part of its charm is its graphics and the less you have to see of that well the the less charm you got that's an, that's uh that's mathematics 
Apparently the screen is fine. I think my main issue with it is just, I don't dock my Switch very much, but I do dock it. And I think that losing that aspect, it's just completely unacceptable to me. Uh, I, I only... I only ever get new SKUs when they're a large improvement, not a downgrade. And this is very much a downgrade, in my opinion. I wonder when or if that improvement is coming. Uh, who knows? Maybe next year. but Or maybe yeah. two years from now. But I'm also the kind of person who plays... I, I, I think I'm one of the five human beings on the planet who will occasionally play in kickstand mode. Really? It doesn't, like, just die on... Like, I've seen, like, the videos and stuff of the kickstand just kind of giving out and... No, no problems. And I like to put it into kickstand mode when I'm like on a plane or something so that I'm not holding it up to my face all the time. That makes sense because it can get heavy. Yeah, I'll just like lean back. I'll carry one of those little, uh, the, the control pads in with me. I'll, sl- I'll slip <laughs> it in and I'll be playing whatever. And the screen can be a little bit small at times, but I mean, if I'm playing an action game or something, it's totally fine. But yeah, so I like all the little bells and whistles on my Switch, and not only that, but, like, video game consoles are expensive, so I I actually cannot understand owning two Switches. Yeah, um, there's also the fact that I just spent a fortune getting new Joy-Cons, because my old ones were so busted that I, I couldn't stand using them anymore, and that's, that's like 100 bucks Canadian, that's not cheap. Oh, no, yeah, it's like $80 US, and... And now, I don't know, like, I don't like the whole, they're fused into the actual thing <laughs> this time around. That does kind of def- defy the point of the name Switch. And then, I my understanding is that the cloud saves are still a little uh, sketchy, like, actually being able to switch between the two Switches is, like, kind of a pain in the ass. Of course it is, it's Nintendo, it's gotta be a small pain in the ass, at least a small one. Yeah, God forbid you have a smooth uh, and comfortable user experience with these things. No, Nintendo likes to keep you on your toes. <laughs> All right. So we got a lot to cover on this. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, can I recommend that you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher? We always enjoy seeing reviews, and it definitely helps the visibility of the podcast. Likewise, if you want to ha- have your voice heard on the show, send me a DM on Twitter. My DMs are open. I'm probably going to regret saying that, but whatever. Or send me an email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net and we may read your letter on the podcast. Um, I'm at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and all of our social media accounts are at usgamer.net and we have a newsletter that goes out every Wednesday. Uh, often Nadia writes it. Sometimes I will pick it up if she's busy. And we share our thoughts a little bit. We channel our opinions directly from the Blood God into RPGs that week. And then we also have a nice little roundup of RPG news for your attention. You won't see any of this content on the site, so you should subscribe to the newsletter as a handy little addition to your Blood God experience. Nadia, what did you write about this past week? I actually wrote uh, in honor of uh, Link's Awakening. I wrote a little bit about the benefits of RPG remakes because of course some people say they're creatively bankrupt and why are you doing this and all of that but uh, I mean there's a, a lot of people who missed out the first time there are certain quality of life improvements as I'll, I'll talk about in a moment about Link's Awakening that are invaluable um, j- just stuff like that I think that there is more of a case for remakes than there is against them and uh, of course video game companies get to make some easy money so they're not they're not complaining about it 
Yeah, there's a member of our team who literally wasn't born yet when Link's Awakening came out. Yeah, that really, that's really a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what's wrong with you people? And then also Link's Awakening is going to only become harder and harder to acquire because while you can get the DX version on the 3DS, more and more people are moving on from their 3DS, so. Yeah, now that the 3DS is kind of done, yeah, they're going to kind of, so is the eShop one day or another. Someday there's going to come a time where Nintendo's going to shutter that. Yeah, I only get annoyed when it's like gratuitous and it's like, did we really need this? Yeah, there are definitely moments like that where there's just no effort whatsoever. Um, it's, it's not that it's not effort. It's more that it's just not essential. Like, all of the different variants of Final Fantasy IV, there was a certain point where you're going, really, this n- again? <laughs> yeah, you could tell that four was really popular in Japan. Uh, I appreciated them, of course, but uh, I understand why. Maybe everyone else was like, what the heck is your problem? Uh, the only thing that makes me mad about the remakes is the PSP version isn't easily available. Yeah, and then Secret of Mana remake w- was welcome. I just wish it were better. <laughs> yeah, that w- that would have been nice. I am glad that Trials of Mana is it definitely a step in the right direction by comparison. I I want more Final Fantasy VII remake and less. Uh, it's a, a just basically a straight port, straight dump of the original game into a slightly improved 3D engine. <laughs> yeah, but even that I can deal with in the case of. Uh, you know, the, the the example I cited was Final Fantasy IX when I, again, I played that for the first time very recently and I appreciated that I could, you know, zip through a lot of battles that I, I'm sure if I was a teenager experiencing this game for the first time, uh, I would have had no problem sitting through long loading screens and, and all of that. But, you know, I'm old, I have things to do, I, I don't really have time to sit there and wait for four party members to get off their ass and attack that behemoth or whatever. Speaking of Link's Awakening, by the way, uh, you reviewed it on the site. You gave it a five out of five. You ended up really loving it. Yes. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised because I was like, oh, it's getting a little crap for its frame rate. I'm not sure, but now the reception seems really positive for it. Uh, yeah, the frame rate is just uh, I can't call it a non-issue because of course it's an issue, but I can't really say, oh, here's a problem that um, that really brings down the game experience. I've had far worse experiences in frame rates with games that I still love. So Link's Awakening doesn't really... What little uh, slowdown there is, is just... I don't find it detrimental to the gameplay at all. And I don't... You know, you kind of wait and say, okay, is this slowdown worth the the really cute graphics? And I say, well, yes, I think those graphics are adorable. From, like, start to finish, I was just really, really charmed by the look of this game and how, like, different it was. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, it's not just the fact that the graphics look good, of course. It's the fact that Link's Awakening, the core gameplay, is still still very much holds up. And it's really good to look back on this game now and just kind of observe how Nintendo designed it around handhelds uh, and just really made clever use of its space. And, of course, like the revised soundtrack is, is really, really good. I, I like what they did with a lot of the, the, the new dungeon music. They kind of uh, incorporated the chiptunes into, like like more uh more of a symphony sound so that that was like really well done and uh, the whole experience is just like really really well done it's really cute really fun the quality of, of life improvements are just crazy off the charts like your sword uh your pegasus boots and um a, f- a couple of other things that you use your shield for example are all hard maps to buttons and you have to just basically juggle uh like two expendable items like um for example the magic powder, the magic rod, or 
stuff like that. So you're not like stopping and switching every two seconds because you want to jump over a gap or you want to lift a, a, a boulder, you know? So if someone were to say, oh, Nadia, which version should I play? I would almost certainly just say automatically for the quality of life improvements alone, go with the Switch version. Yeah, and I really like the art style. It's very cute. It really is. It looks like a, like like little candies or toys or stuff like that. And there was someone who commented on my review saying, oh, I don't think this art style like does anything at all for the original game, but it's almost like a, a perfect HD adaptation of what the Link's Awakening style looked like on the Game Boy. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, so is it a direct one-to-one -one remake where they're just basically straight dumping the original game in with the maybe like one new feature and then nice graphics or did they substantially change it they didn't substantially substantially change it but they did there are definitely differences uh one of the biggest differences is there's a lot more in the way of stuff to find and collectibles uh like i think originally there were like 20 to 25 seashells and now there's like 50 and if you want to get the sword you have to get uh like 40 of the seashells and they give you an item uh in the game that helps you kind of find them like it's a little tuner that that dings when you're near a seashell and then you got you drive yourself crazy trying to find it and that's where a lot of my time went to be honest i was like all right i'm getting this sword and uh it didn't really help i'm like okay i'm gonna cheat a bit and look up a walkthrough to remember where the seashells are and that you know <laughs> good for me that didn't do anything because yeah some of the seashells are in their regular spots but there's plenty of new ones that are everywhere and then new spot that are in new places and so it's like oh well i just cheated myself didn't i played myself I think you, if you're a Zelda fan, you owe it your, to yourself to play Link's Awakening at some point because it is just a really interesting entry into the series. It's very different from a lot of uh, other Zelda games. Somebody called it the Mario crossover that we didn't know that we really needed or wanted, <laughs> but ended up getting anyway. You're right, because it's uh, there's a lot of Mario stuff in there. You got your Goombas, you got Chain Chomp right from the start, who's a dog named uh, Bow Wow. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, Kirby, the, and, uh, there's a, there's a picture of He's Peach. Satanic. Yeah, <laughs> and that's in the new one as well. That's really funny when that happens. Mr. Wright from the SNES, uh, adaptation of, uh, SimCity, which is a, a great adaptation. I wish you could get that easily these days. The Rock's Feather, which is basically just the feather from Mario World that allows you to jump. Yeah, that's right. I never even thought of that one, but that's one as well. Yeah, so this is Mario as heck for some reason. <laughs> um, and then also just the tone of, the tone of it is very different because you're in this crazy dream world, getting to know like animal people and that sort of thing. And uh, But at the same time, it also clearly has an effect on where the series is going mm -hmm. because things like the, the wind fish and the ocarina and the owl or all elements that would find their way into later games like Ocarina of Time, or just in general seemed to kind of filter into later games. It seemed to really have a definite, a definite impact on the look and the feel of the series. Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, I was just watching a thing where Eiji Anuma admitted that uh, if not for Link's Awakening, Ocarina of Time would have been probably a much different game. He implemented yeah. a lot from Link's Awakening. Yeah, the Ocarina... Like, really, it, it wasn't that huge of a part of Link's Awakening, but it ended up uh, kind of setting the, the foundation for what would ultimately come. I still think that Link's Awakening is one of the best Zelda games ever made. It's 
the dungeon design is really solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is one of the better ones in the entire series and can even be a bit of a tearjerker at times. Uh, it's really different and interesting. The music is outstanding, even by Zelda standards. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a lot of fond feelings for Link's Awakening. And if it weren't for the fact that I'm currently kind of wrapped up in playing Dragon Quest Eleven. And also FIFA, I'll admit. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, all, it's always FIFA season. I would probably pick it up, but uh, as it is, maybe I'll wait until Christmas when I have a little bit of extra time and I just kind of grab it and be like, yeah, you know. I'm, or I'll just yeah. keep playing through Witcher 3 and my never-ending Witcher 3 playthrough. Well, that's going out for Switch as well, but you're not going to play it on the Switch, are you? Oh, no, I'm going to stick with the the Xbox One and PS4. Yeah, because I'm going to get Switcher when it comes out. Cause that I would really be nice if Witcher 3 took a page from Divinity Original Sin 2 and had cross-save. Oh, yeah, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? I'm sure a lot of people would appreciate that. Though it wouldn't really work as well, because I have the Xbox One version, and I'm sure that would be kind of hard to get that save over. But And the PS4 oh. would be a total non-starter. But from PC, maybe? Yeah. That'd be a real time saver. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some other news that's happening in the RPG space. A uh, big one for Pokemon Sword and Shield. Surfetched, an evolution of Farfetched, has been officially revealed as a Pokemon Sword exclusive, thus guaranteeing that it's going to be like an 80-20 split between Sword and Shield, <laughs> like in terms yeah. of sales. Yeah, especially since I think um, there was a trainer who everyone got really sweet on who's who's new to the game and... Uh, they are exclusive to uh, to sword, so I feel like no one's going to get shield when the time comes. There's always one version that sells more, uh, and it's usually the one that comes first. Yeah, like diamond outsold sold pearl, uh, ruby outsold sapphire. Uh, I don't know about that one actually. Maybe sapphire might have been equally popular because red and blue, but yeah. gold and gold definitely had the advantage over silver and so on. Sword and sword's just going to obliterate shield. It's not even going to be close. Yeah, I'm usually the kind of person who, well, not always, but I often get the second one. Like, I got Moon, uh, I got uh, Silver, I got Soul Silver as well. Uh, but uh, I'm probably going to wind up getting Sword because I think the I think the Legendary is a lot better looking too. I think that Surfetched is a great design. It's already being memed extremely heavily. <laughs> yes, he he looks very gallant. What is it about Farfetch that really just grabs people's attention? Is it just the fact that he was always kind of a weak bird, but he always seemed extremely overconfident? I guess that would be it because it's not like it's not like Pokemon is lacking for for weak birds, but uh, Farfetch is a leak bird. Oh yeah, no, I mean, how can you not love a <laughs> duck that's carrying a leak around, right? Isn't that like the origin for that, like some sort of Japanese expression about look, don't look for ducks bearing leaks or something like that? Who even knows? But it was something to do with like it is kind of like like a one pig's fly equivalent. But uh, yeah, I just love the idea that like a, a saying, an old folk saying, would become a Pokemon. And it's called far fetched. I mean, how can you? It was a gr- yeah, which is a great name. <laughs> and I mean, I think people called it the original gangster Pokemon. They called it what now? <laughs> the original gangster Pokemon. He's a gangster. Well, no one will mess with him. He's carrying a leak. <laughs> And then, so, Surfetched, I mean, I really hope that he's good. Uh, so far, there are no indications he's a pure fighting type. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I think plenty of people will stick for Surfetched into their party. Uh, I like that it's not a, a flying fire ty- fighting type, because yeah. that actually probably removes 
a bunch of its general weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, I don't know, it's just going to be a fun addition to a lot of parties. So uh, my favorite Surfetch meme so far is somebody drew it like it was a mech. Yeah, I saw that. You put that in Slack. That was pretty fantastic. Like, it looked like a Gundam. Yes, with like a with a beam saber for its leak. Yeah, it's pretty yes. good. Yeah, a lot of people are pretty sweet on uh, Surfetch already. I mean, how could you not be? It's very smug looking. Yeah, I think Sword and Shield will be good. Um, I'm not reviewing it, but I will play it at some point. <laughs> Probably yeah, so when it comes it's out. It's up to be pretty fun. I hope that when I play Sword and Shield, I can just enjoy it on its own merits and not just want to rush through uh, straight to the end game. Maybe, heck, maybe I'll even embrace the spirit and kind of start over a little bit. Yeah, that, that's the spirit. I mean, you don't want to be like rushing through it. Why would you? On the other hand, once I get the opportunity to import all of my own Pokemon, I'm doing that post-taste. <laughs> oh, right. See, I, I usually don't really care about importing my old Pokemon. So uh, it's, for me, it's all about the new journey. It's because I spend all my time training them and you don't. That's true. I'm like, oh, what was fun hanging around with you guys? See you later. <laughs> Down to the bottom of my sock drawer with you. Uh, another thing that you have on here, Apple Arcade is out. Uh, I When Apple Arcade was maybe a week away, my partner sent me a text and said, so are we getting Apple Arcade? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, but the games on it look really cool. And I'm like, really? If you say so. But Katie, who generally knows about this kind of thing, uh, seems to really like Apple Arcade and says that the selection of games are really robust. And there's some RPGs in there as well. Yeah, uh, the Octopath Traveler team released one kind of stealthily. Uh, I forget what it's called. It has another ridiculous name, like like all of their games. But uh, like, uh, you know, Various Day Life? Yeah, what the hell. Um, I'll be honest, from my angle, it looks a little bit like an RPG Maker RPG, which isn't always terrible. I've actually played quite a few RPG Maker RPGs that I loved. But um, yeah, there's uh, there are some RPGs. Uh, Sakaguchi is still plugging away at that mobile circuit, so good for him, I guess. Um, but the thing with Apple Arcade is that I feel like the landscape, the gaming landscape right now is much different than it was when when mobile games were were, king, were first king. Uh, I, like for example, one of the one of the games that one of the the, the uh, marquee games on the Apple Arcade is Sayonara Wild Hearts, which is a really great rhythm sort of action game. You can review you can read the review on on our site. But that game is also on Switch. It's also on PS4. There was a time when you weren't getting games like Sayonara Wild Hearts on the console. You were getting them uh, on mobile. Uh, in fact, Samogo, the developer behind the game, was a mobile developer exclusively at one point. So um, I feel like Apple Arcade is 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 pretty is fine for what it is. It's great if you if you want it, go for it. But I don't feel like it's vital. I feel like a lot of those games are already on consoles or they're coming to consoles, and I'd just rather stick to consoles. Uh, I will say that five dollars, uh, the price is right, and it's a lot easier now to hook up a uh, Bluetooth controller like your PlayStation Four controller to your iOS device. Now, what I want to know is, is everything going to just go to hell and break when the next iOS update comes out, like is what happened with iOS 11 and happened with uh, iOS 13? Left a whole bunch of developers with, you know, useless games that wouldn't, wouldn't launch anymore, and they were too expensive to fix, so they just pulled the games. And I'm still not convinced that Apple cares about their games market, arcade or no arcade, so I have to see proof that, okay, maybe they, maybe they give a damn now. But five bucks is five bucks. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not going to get Apple Arcade, but I do like that they have introduced a kind of prestige level of gaming on iOS, <laughs> mm-hmm. where iOS has just been so consistently flooded with, let's be honest, garbage. And yeah, a lot of gotcha games. Gotcha games, free-to-play crap that is just aggressively monetizing you into oblivion, uh, games that are just completely brain-dead, like these stupid endless runners or match three games that have absolutely no rhyme or reason to them. I've been on record as saying is I think Candy Crush is the worst game ever made. <laughs> I think you brought that up. Uh, I I kind of like it sometimes, like, but I do get no. to a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm getting ripped off. I'm not playing this anymore. It's it's not a game. It's a monetization engine in which you just keep plucking quarters in and then some stuff happens. Like, Yeah, it's, it's an effective one. It sure does make money. If I could wipe one game from history, it would be that one. Like, it really opened a lot of bad doors, in my opinion. I I think it's an utter disgrace of a game. And I think that the people who made it should be ashamed of themselves. You should go tell tell Activism Blizzard since they own King now. I don't don't say that lightly, by the way. But Mm -hmm. the sheer cynicism with which Candy Crush was developed is utterly breathtaking. I actually think that uh, Zynga's games were uh, just as shameless, if not more so. Yes, Gosh, I remember when everyone was heading towards developing uh, those games, and that was a, that was a depressing time. But then, well, Zynga just kind of collapsed, and everyone scattered to the four winds. Thank God Facebook didn't become a long time long term gaming platform. Yeah, it, I used to well basically make my bread reviewing a lot of those games back in the day. A lot of Facebook games, a lot of hidden object games. Holy crap! Did people love those stupid hidden object games? Ugh. It was a dark time. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest time, and like I said, the the market that gave us those games and the market we have now is, is totally different, so I'm kind of curious to see where Apple Arcade's role is in all of it. I really don't use my phone for games anymore, except I play Pokemon Go, and I've been playing Pokemon Masters on and off, and that's about it. I don't really want to download games to my phone. I haven't played much Pokemon Masters. I started it, but I haven't really gotten into it. It's still Fire Emblem Heroes for me. Which, yeah, it's it's very similar to Fire Emblem Heroes uh, in in terms of the monetization and the the way the whole thing works. But I only have room in my life for one of those sorts of games, mm. and it's Pokemon Masters. Yeah, it activates maybe two brain cells instead of just one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or zero, like Candy Crush. <laughs> so, I also got this new game that just came out that Rock Paper Shotgun, who is one of our sister sites, uh, just recommended, mm-hmm. called Football Drama. Which is, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it's this kind of conversational game in which you're dealing with all of the backroom politics and everything in the press. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. I, I want stuff like that. So uh, maybe I'll play it on my way to Brighton. When it comes to Apple Arcade, Shrug, I guess we'll see. Shrug, I guess we'll see. There you go. Um, I'm just waiting to see what comes of it. Uh, the whole uh, RPG by the Octopath Traveler folks... Um, I'm not super interested in it because I, I'm just waiting for the Octopath Traveler sequel. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Shrug. Yeah, I'm getting, I am getting the new iPhone, though. Oh, are you? You finally yep. upgrading? I am upgrading. I have a 6S right now, and I've been kind of loath to upgrade because I'm going to miss my headphone jacks so much. Oh, yeah, I miss that so badly. But I do have a pair of Bluetooth headphones, like just as my daily use earbuds. And I don't miss uh 
I, I don't miss having to fiddle with the wired version of earbuds, and I'll just use the adapter for um, my my nice noise canceling headphones. But uh, that that iPhone 11 Pro Max that I got uh, sure does look pretty sweet. So <laughs> I am looking forward. Yeah, to that. Yeah, it does look pretty good. Um, don't lose your little dongle thing. Uh, that would cost you twenty bucks. I lost. I think I lost mine when I was finishing up packs last year. And I went. I was in the airport. And I'm like, uh, how much for one of those stupid adapters? Are like twenty bucks. I'm like, God, oh, Jesus. Okay, Nadia, uh, let's keep going, and we are going to have Katie on very briefly to talk about Nino Kuni for coming out on the Switch, since she is a big advocate for that game. And then we're going to keep on going to the Fall RPG Preview. Okay, we quickly have a special guest in here, and that's Katie McCarthy, our senior editor over at US Gamer. And the reason I brought you on, Katie, very quickly, is Nino Kuni is out on the Nintendo Switch. And to my knowledge, you are the biggest advocate for the original <laughs> Nino Kuni of anybody I've ever met. When it came out, like a lot of people I knew were kind of down on it. But I know that it has like a really intense fandom, and you seem to be one of them. So, Katie, what am I missing about this game? Uh, it's like partially made by Studio Ghibli, so I feel like the, I don't know, just like the the art direction of it is like way sharper than like ninety nine percent of other JRPGs I play. It's just has this like whimsical feel, but it's like very like kid friendly and sweet. And the story feels very Ghibli esque of like just this kid just wants to like bring his mom back to life after she dies like unexpectedly and it's like this very earnest sweet rpg and it's also about like saving the world which every jrpg is about but i don't know there's like just like this tone to it that really clicked with me back when i played it on ps3 like way back in the day and it has like this amazing soundtrack by joe saishi who does like all of hayao miyazaki's movies and it's just like I don't know. Like, I really, really love that game. And, like, the combat is for sure the weakest part of it. Uh, but I also played it back at E3, like, a little bit. And I was surprised by, like, how I didn't, like, hate the combat. Like, I remembered hating it. It was like, <laughs> oh, okay. This wasn't as bad as I remember it. That's weird. Uh, I'm actually, like, uh, oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm actually playing it for the first time, finally. Like, I got it on Switch. Mm. And, uh, I haven't, like, gotten too far. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, I definitely like it already better than than you know Cooney Two because the story doesn't feel so weird. Right. Like, well, that's not hard. Yeah, it's really <laughs> yeah. not that Cooney hard. Cooney Two isn't good. Also, but, a um, crazy thing I've been seeing in like people doing the write up of like the because it's like remastered on PS4 and PC, and then the Switch version is they're not calling it remastered; they're just saying it's like a port, which is really strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like all the reviews I'm reading or I've read are like, oh, you should just play Nino Kuni two instead because it's better. And I'm like, no. y'all are crazy. Whoa. Yeah, don't do it's that. Like everyone, <laughs> it is everyone, and it is. You should value your time more. It drives me insane. I'm like, y- you guys think the second one is better? Like you but, think um, that ugly overworld is better? Oh, that good, like- good old squad overworld. Um, the thing I like about it so far, though, is um, it's very heavily based on one of my favorite fantasy novels of all time, which is The Talisman. Um, mm. One of Stephen King's... Peter Straub. Peter Straub yeah, and uh, Stephen King, yeah. Um, very much like the whole, like, his mother is a, a sorceress in the other world. Mm. That's very much like The Talisman, where Jack's, uh, the protagonist's mother, is a queen in the other world. And 
since she's kind of dead or sick, then the whole world, then both the worlds are kind of dead or sick, and uh, the whole idea of everyone having a, well, they call it in the book, they call it twinners, but um, it, it, I'm going to be writing more about this later on, but it's, yeah, yeah like I said, it's one of my favorite fantasy books, so, um, of course, you have the, the crystal, which is the titular talisman in the book, uh, so I, I'm down with all of that. I love that book so freaking much. I had no idea that Studio Ghibli totally stole this idea from uh, Stephen <laughs> King. This is amazing. Well, I don't know officially, but it's very, very similar, which it could, could steal. You may as well steal from the, the best, frankly. I think Stephen King's a really, really underrated fantasy writer. When Nino Kuni came out, it was kind of a different time, I mm-hmm. feel. And I think that's why, like, maybe expectations for it were heightened a little bit. Because, I mean, if you if you go back... So it was initially announced in like 2010 for Nintendo DS, and oh, it was DS, pitched. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. And it was pitched as a big collaboration with Studio Ghibli with Level Five, and Level Five was like really hot at the time. Yeah, like they were on fire because of Inazuma Eleven and all of that. And this was going to be, and I think Yokai Watch was blowing up around this time as well. And this was like going to be their next big thing. This was their prestige freaking game, mm-hmm. like the. The the company that made two of the best uh, Dragon Quest games teaming up with Studio Ghibli it was like a no-lose scenario. Mm-hmm. And then the DS game didn't sell that well. Like, it sold shockingly poorly. And it ended up coming out on the PS3, and that was a much better-known version. And then it kind of languished for two years, and then it finally came out in 2013. And at the time, the narrative that Japanese RPGs were weak in the West, uh, especially on console, was still pretty much lingering. Right. And so people were like, oh, this is going to be the savior of JRPGs in the West, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that resulted in, on the one hand, one half of people going, oh, I am going to support this game no matter what. Uh It's gorgeous, and I want JRPGs to work in the West. And then you had the other half of people who were like, it's not that good by JRPG standards, it's fine. Uh, and so, as a result, it's, uh, I want to say its legacy ended up being a little bit mixed. But I, I think the years have been fairly kind to it. Um, I agree with you, Katie, that when I look at the uh, the graphics, they're really nice. And honestly, the, the Pokemon system is, is fun. I, I My understanding, is though, is that it's just a little bit too grindy. Yeah, in the late game, it gets, like, really grindy. It does, like, the one thing that I hate in... Japanese games that happen a lot like this also happens like Okami and like so many games where it does like hey why don't you do like a boss rush of or you like travel around (laughs) and you like fight every boss you've fought before but with like a slight variation and I hate when games do that and Nino Kuni has like a really bad one um and they have like a whole extra section that you don't expect like you think the game's over that's like now you gotta go this like area in the sky and fight this big baddie and it's like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right, fine. Like, That's sure. so JRPG. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm almost done. Nope, we got to go to the sky. Oh, yeah, shit. Uh, all right. Exactly. It's like, oh, man, really? Like, it's it's like a trope. It's like it happens in, like, so many games. So it's like I at the time I was, like, really annoyed by it. But it didn't. I still, like, feel like when I was done with the game, I was like, wow, such a great game. I remember when it first came out, Bob Mackie wasn't a fan on 1UP. And uh, I actually had someone tell me, because 1UP shut down a little bit after that. I had someone tell me the site deserved to die for that review. <laughs> Jesus. That is ridiculous. Oh, it was really, it was the stupidest thing I'd heard. 
It's so weird. So, like, I wasn't in the industry at all at that point. Like, I was still... Because it was, like, 20... Yeah, like, 20... 2013. 2013, yeah. 2012 or something. So, I was, like, still in college at that point. So, like, I was totally divorced from the games industry. So, like, you guys say that, like, JRPGs were seen as, like, low or whatever. And, mm-hmm. like, I was totally not... Like, everyone I knew, like, played the game. was like, oh, it's, like, so good. Like, I wonder if there's... A divorce and like maybe people that are that follow game news really closely that maybe had high, higher expectations or something and were like let down by it in that sense because like maybe because I went into it just being like oh like I love like some level five RPGs like on the PS2 and I liked Studio Ghibli a lot so that was kind of like my anticipation going into I was like oh it's like two things I like this is gonna be cool uh, and then it was like I really enjoyed it for that but. I don't know, like, like maybe that it is that has yeah, that, that fed into sense. the reception to it. I guess. I think when you get outside of the the game industry bubble, things mm-hmm. can be a lot different than how we perceive in here. But uh, at least from my vantage point, uh, Japan had a rough few years between mm-hmm. uh, 2006 and 2012 for a lot of different reasons, yeah. and because the PS3 really did not take off in Japan. Uh, so many big games like Dragon Quest Nine were on the Nintendo DS, and Final Fantasy Thirteen was seen as like not as good as in previous years. And so, I like Dark Souls came out in 2011, and things were definitely on the up by then. But there was a kind of a sense that the classical JRPG hadn't really made its mark in the HD generation. Now we look at it in this generation and we're seeing way more like gorgeous hd kind of jrpgs so it's not as acute now but circa 2013 for sure we were feeling that like that mm-hmm. so so now it's 2019 like every other freaking jrpg nino kuni is on the switch <laughs> katie w- do you think that this uh stands apart from all of the other like excellent RPGs that are now on Switch, and like that, people should Blood God listeners should like go out and buy it immediately. I mean, if you've played it before, like, and you're not itching to replay it, then I like probably would say like don't bother. But I feel like if you haven't played it yet, and maybe you bounced off Nino Kuni too, but there's like things about it you liked or something. Like I'd say it's definitely worth checking out on Switch or PS4 or PC, whatever your preferred platform is. Um, it's like, yeah, and it's pretty long. I'd say it's like, I remember it being like 60 hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe less than that, even. Um, but I was also like very, I gotta do all the side quest type person. <laughs> um, so maybe that made it longer. But uh, I don't know. I, like, it's a much better game than Nino Kuni 2, which is my biggest disappointment last year and maybe of a long time. Um, that would be a huge disappointment if you're such a big fan of Nino Kuni and to play. God. Play Nino Kuni Two and just be like, "Wow, this is terrible." I'm bouncing. I when they announced Nino Kuni Two, I was like at the PlayStation Experience, like oh. as like a like on the Fan Pass or whatever, uh-huh. and I was like so like excited. I was like, "Whoa, it's oh. like such a cool announcement!" Uh, and like I don't get hype for announcements like ever really. And then to play the game when it came out and be like, "Oh, this sucks!" Like big time. <laughs> this is like really bad. Like. Oh. It's like, and even like the soundtrack, like Joe Saishi does the soundtrack again, but it's just like rehashed, like the original. It's, it's like the remixed version of the original soundtrack. So it's like, I feel like I just would rather listen to the original soundtrack. Like, what's even the point? 
I do love the the main theme for Nino Kuni. I always have. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, like Joe Saishi, he should do more JRPG soundtracks because I'd be down. You'll recall that I reviewed Nino Kuni two last year, and I think that while in some respects it was a fairly enjoyable like B minus tier RPG, uh, I think my problem was that it it's deeper darker aspects just don't really land at all with me yeah uh, which i wrote about like it just does absolutely nothing to earn a lot of the things that it's trying to push and it it ultimately comes off as pretty shallow uh would you say that i I know that ghibli has some pretty dark elements would you say that it manages to land (laughs) a lot better with the original nino kuni than it does in nino kuni 2 oh for sure like i feel like there's a lot of darker elements. I mean, it's like the whole game's like about grief and dealing with death and stuff. And I f- just think it lands better. Whereas Nina Kuni Two, I don't even know what that game's trying to do. Like, I honestly just have no idea. <laughs> like, good they have the a really, quote. they have like a fascinating setup. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I guess spoilers, people have not played the first five minutes of Nina Kuni Two, but like, it starts with the nuclear bomb going off in seemingly New York City, and then the president is transported to this weird mystical world and then he has his gun still and he's like a younger version of himself and he just like kind of shrugs it off but then you're playing as this like cat kid king who's like usurped i don't know that game is so bizarre yeah like cat so said it had like some some good like ideas some good it would have been it had some themes that would have been really valuable yeah. to explore and it didn't it just just forgot yeah, about them such all a, i feel like that's such a weird bonkers premise that i would have if they pulled it off, that would have been sick, but yeah, they didn't. Like they just and they totally shrug it. Aside. They like push it so aside, and they make it all about this like kid king like trying to build his kingdom or build a kingdom for an established world peace or whatever. But and then the president thing like doesn't come up until like the very end. It's like yeah. what was even the point of having this? <laughs> <laughs> oh god that game just makes me mad like thinking about it because it's almost like it two really different just... teams worked on it or something like i don't know yeah, what happened it's it's just all over the place it's such a bummer yeah he goes from being nuked into oblivion to falling into this fantasy world and going oh i guess my whole family's dead yeah he doesn't care Meh. yeah, yeah it's like whatever sure i'll help this kid with cat ears why not Let's do it. Let's get. Let's establish world peace. This is the thing I'll I'm be doing a better now. president. Like it's like what? He's having a better time than anybody in this entire story. Like he's always in a really yeah, good mood. He's, he's yeah. fantastic. He's like really happy about everything. And the one really spot of personal trouble he has at the very end when he has that really horrifying dream about his child's eyes melting. And I also liked the. I also. I, I know that people weren't all the way down with the, the monster collecting element, but I like the monsters in the original Nino Kuni a lot better than Nino Kuni 2, where you just had the little sprites that were kind of like Pikmin. Yeah, little higglies. Yeah, I think the combat in 2 was better, like I kind of like the Pikmin-like combat. Hmm. But, and I think the problem with the Nino Kuni monsters is I don't think they were that memorable, aside from Drippy. And also the English dub for Nino Kuni is so good. It's like all they do like a really good job of having like different like british or like european accents for like the different regions which like helps like set like a tone to it you know um, is it mr drapey doing the patois thing yeah 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 it's like it's it's really good how like and like the i i think like the town the city design in nino kuni is like really great and like every time you go to a town it's like oh it's like a different accent here it just like feels like very 
you're like you're traveling the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, How very like level that. five. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing about the Neo Kami too. Is like I feel like the characters are just like not memorable. Which I wouldn't say the party members in the first Neo Kuni are like too memorable. Uh, besides Oliver, obviously, and Drippy, but not yet. Since you're playing it on Switch, I assume you're playing on handheld mode. Yes. And Katie is the only one. Uh, Katie is like absolutely determined to play the Switch Lite, which is handheld only. I have it. So, <laughs> it's yes, she just got it. I just got it. It's charging. Oh, I she want. showed a picture oh. of her car- cradling the the Switch Lite, <laughs> and then the original ones in the garbage. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I like emptied my trash can so I could take that picture. Uh, I was go- maybe I should share it on Twitter because I just posted it in Slack. Like it's here. <laughs> You should share it on Twitter so that people can tell you uh, all about how the OG Switch is better. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yes, we've had long conversations about this on Slack. I, I respect Katie's opinion and, yeah, whatever. But uh, <laughs> the reason I mention this is, Nadia, how does it look on the Switch's screen? Does it run well? Uh, is it attractive? That kind of thing? Does art style hold up? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, art style definitely holds up. I have no argument about that whatsoever. Um, I have heard stories about, like, glitches and weird, like, um, cutscene stuff going on, but I haven't noticed any trouble whatsoever. I haven't noticed any, like, hitching or slowdown or anything. Uh, it's it's working very well. Like I said, I'm not very far into the game, but uh, so far, so good. All right. Radical. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Nino Kuni, it's out now. I think it's a full-price game uh, if because it's also out on PS4, and it's been remastered, I guess. Uh, so it's looking much better this time around. Uh, oh, it's also on PC, so I'm sure people will go ahead and mod it and everything, and oh, yeah. we'll end God up having Totoro in it. Mr. X as a monster. <laughs> Mr. Drippy as Mr. X. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that Nino Kuni is the greatest RPG ever made, but I know that plenty of people have fond feelings for it, and it seems like a, a nice RPG if somehow you've played through every other freaking <laughs> RPG that's come out on the system certainly gorgeous Mm -hmm. uh, still so i that ghibli artwork really uh holds up in my opinion so uh, i would give it a tentative recommendation and i would say maybe play it over nino kuni 2 which by the way is not better than the original nino kuni (laughs) (laughs) all right katie thanks for coming on the show and uh, let's continue on to our fall preview Okay, thanks to Katie for coming on the show, and now I think it's time to talk about the rest of the RPGs that are coming up this year. Nadia, as we already kind of mentioned, a lot of ports this year. Oh yeah, um, but I can't complain because uh, I have missed a lot of those ports, or they're so good I want to play them again. Uh, Dragon Quest XI-S being a, a good example, plus they added a lot to that game, from what I can tell so far. Yeah, so uh, I'm pretty set for the rest of the year and then beyond. I'm just imagining, uh, I don't remember where it's coming, but I'm imagining somebody being like, you're going to play them again and 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 again. again. Just keep playing them forever. I could do that. They're, They're not short games and there's a lot of them. Yeah, so looking at this list... Uh, some of the, the ports that are coming out are like Witcher 3 is a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we already mentioned that on Switch. I'm sure that it will be a good sw- port and that it will end up doing well. 
there's a whole mess of Baldur's Gate games coming out. Yes. Of which I think Baldur's Gate 2 and Planescape Torment are no-brainers that you should be playing. Alliance Alive is getting an HD remaster for some reason. Sure. Why not? But it's not really an HD. I mean, it's an HD remaster, but it's not like a full-blown remake. It looks, it still looks a lot like the 3DS game. I think we have at least one listener who's a big advocate for the Alliance Alive. Well, there you go. There's your shout out. It's coming. (laughs) Hooray. Good for you. I I don't want to be that dismissive of it because the scenario designer was the guy who did Suikoden. Um, Yeah, that's true. And by all accounts, it's quite a bit better than Legend of Legacy. So I think it at least deserves a shout out. Yeah, yeah, definitely gives a shout out. Um, That actually reminds me, though, another RPG that's coming out from 3DS to the Switch that I'm kind of curious about is the Cybermon, uh, Cybermon, Digimon, Cyber Sleuth, or whatever it's called, like one of the Digimon story games, which is supposed to be really, really good. And I was never a huge Digimon fan, but I never hated the series. So I figured I might take a look at it when it comes out. Yeah, here's the problem. I just can't get on board with Digimon. Were you like one of the were, were you like one of the kids who like fought with everyone about whether Digimon or Pokemon was better? I just ignored Digimon because it was irrelevant. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> I give a crap about it, Digimon. Come on. It seemed to be relevant. Like here, at least, kids are always like, you know, oh, Digimon is so much better. No, Pokemon is so much better. Digimon is serious. No, it's not. Relevant among nerds. <laughs> there you go. Which you know, to be fair, I'm a nerd. I mean, look, I'm sure Digimon is real dark and, (laughs) like, really hits on, like, some strong topics. But, I mean, come on. What matters? Pokemon or Digimon? I rest my case. No, I'm sure Digimon Cyber Sleuth is fine. I just don't care. So Yeah, it definitely has its fans. Like, Digimon still has its fans. I have, like, (laughs) a a magnet on my fridge of Garamon for some reason. I don't even know where I got that. It's just there. It just appeared. I think if anything, magnet. if I, I think if anything, I'm annoyed at Pokemon for its designs getting more and more Digimon-y. People have brought that up before, especially with um, the legendaries for black and white. Oh God, yeah. I can't yeah, remember the just, names, but yeah. Yeah, give me those old Ken Sugimori uh, designs any day of the week. But oh, I love his designs. Yeah, I, my understanding is that Digital Digimon Cyber Sleuth is like quite a good game. Actually, it got a lot of good hype when it came out in the PS Vita. But I'm just so completely out on Digimon that I'm not willing to give it a shot. Please send your hate mail in the comments. What about Monster Rancher? <laughs> Off to the side <laughs> in the corner. I don't really know anything about Monster Rancher. <laughs> I know neither. that it has its fans, but I've never played it. So played maybe it. somebody just... can explain to me like what Monster Rancher is all about. <laughs> I remember there was the there was the anime that had the the awful rap intro, but uh, that's all I remember about it. Do you ranch monsters? Uh, I think so. I think you used to get them off CDs or something like that. I don't know what you do nowadays because it's coming out for it's coming out again or a remake is coming out. They're all coming out now. again forever. They are again and again and again. There's nothing new under the sun. No, absolutely not. Except for so okay. Out of all of these games that are ports or updates or whatever, I think the game that stands out to me is the most exciting port, maybe, is Dragon Quest XI-S. Yeah. Um, so far, from what I've played, uh, it's one of the best Switch ports I've ever played, period. Just the, the, tech, the, the technical prowess behind it is really, really good. I'm really impressed by it. I think that it is an outstanding-looking game. I think that the symphonic soundtrack is a game changer. 
I think that it is perfectly suited for the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the best looking games on the Nintendo Switch. I mean... Yeah, definitely. As everything that I've been able to see points to it being just a really well done port with a lot of really appreciable updates. And I can totally understand if people who played the PC version or the PS4 version are like not ready to get on board with the Switch version. But a uh-huh. lot of people, me, my, myself, maybe most notably among them, like either didn't play the original much and like kind of bounced off it or ended up like not playing it at all and just totally missing it. And if that, if you're one of those people and you like JRPGs, buy this, get this one. Yeah. Um, there was a time, I remember when the first game came out, uh, or sorry, when the first release came out, uh, a lot of people were like, well, I'm, I'm just going to wait for the Switch version. And frankly, it looks like that was probably the best idea. Like, they so My really, strategy paid off, Nadia. You gave me did, so much did. crap last year for not playing it much. <laughs> it's like, I'm waiting I for did. the Switch version. And, and here we are. And, and I suppose you were right. I mean, I'm not exactly going to regret playing it again. It was just a, a really good game. And it's just... Uh, I can I kind of have an, an ex, uh, extra appreciation for it now that I can look at the other version and look at, and look how well they did with the Switch version because like outside of maybe some some nature effects like m- maybe the wind doesn't blow quite as much or the grass isn't quite as sharp or the water isn't quite as transparent that's that's all I can really think of the rest is is almost indistinguishable how much better how much how one to one it is practically. Yeah, you play that demo and you look at how nice the monsters look in that. And, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, and everything, there are no frame rate drops whatsoever. No, none that I've seen whatsoever. I'm really impressed. And it's so, and, and that's especially impressive given that apparently they were having a lot of trouble getting it running originally on the Nintendo Switch, hence the reason why it wasn't released day and date. Um, and it's just a phenomenal game to be playing with just headphones on, right? Yeah. 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 It's a probably a good one to break your Switch light in with if you have one. Yeah, it's the kind of game that I just want to put on my headphones and not be distracted by anything and just focus on this particular game. In which mm-hmm. case, a lot of people might say, well, why don't you play it on your TV? But maybe there's more of an intimacy with just holding the actual handheld screen up to me. It's almost like I'm getting sucked into its world. Yeah, I agree with that. That's pretty much why I love playing RPGs on handheld. But uh, I listened to the synth. I listened to the synthesized con uh, soundtrack again not too long ago, uh-huh. and oh my god! I can't. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> it's so bad. It actually it was giving me a headache. It, it it does tend to get like it does tend to hit those high notes, doesn't it? And I need the music, uh, yeah. as I've discovered. Like I need the music to put me in the the mood and the mindset of this game. Yeah, it's telling that the best music from from the synthesized version is, well, music that has been in other games, because there are some tunes that are reused. Yeah, so Dragon Quest XI-S, I think, out of all of the upcoming ports and things that are coming out, definitely that one. And then, I mean, if you haven't played Witcher 3 yet, I mean, you should also play that. Yeah, seriously. that's going to be mine. Um, but gosh, it's also, I have like all those Western RPGs to get cut off on, like uh, Divinity Original Sin, I still want to play that. Uh I still want to play the Baldur's Gates games. I think Divinity Original Sin 2 is a great choice. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten, like, really incredible scores. Like, the adaptation's gotten incredible scores on Metacritic. Yeah. I mean, 
there's a lot of RPGs on Switch, Nadia, as we were talking about with Katie, you know, and Nino Kuni is out now. So mm-hmm. it's actually like quite hard to choose between all of these outstanding RPGs. Yeah, the landscape, like I said, is definitely different than it was even just like a handful of years ago. Uh, I mean, it's a pity that Persona 5 is not out on it. Yeah, um, but we're still getting the uh, Sharp FE, so that's yeah. all Persona 5. Oh, I'm so, and I'm so happy it's coming out in January, so I'm not going to miss it. Oh, yeah, so it's like by then everything will kind of be settled down a bit. Yeah. I feel yeah, guilty for it. being like, oh, port everything over to the Switch because I'm, like I said, I was kind of rolling my eyes, like I'm getting my wish, right? But yeah. <laughs> I like my Switch a lot, and I like having just all of these games in one place. Yeah, and that's the thing. It puts everything in one place, and it's just impossible. To, it's impossible to get everything on the first pass. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many games I missed out on the first time around, no matter how diligent I was. So he, here it comes again, and yeah, this time I can grab them out of the sky. And I'm and I like that a game like Dragon Quest Eleven is getting a second bite at the proverbial apple when it comes to sales. Yeah, and I think this will be really, really good for its sales. Like, it did fine. Uh, I think it sold over a million in North America, which was like, yay, finally. But um, it's going to get a really nice boost with the Switch, I think. Yeah, I think that the Switch audience is a lot more natural for Dragon Quest XI. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about some of the new stuff that's coming out. And, I mean, a lot of people would say Destiny 2 Shadowkeep is a big game. I guess the only reason I'm mentioning it here is because it's called an RPG I actually played it a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine because uh-huh. I was not Shadowkeep, but just Destiny 2 because I was like, uh-huh. well, maybe I should catch up on this. And it would be nice to like, you know, get in touch with this particular friend because we don't talk as much nearly as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. And I had a perfectly nice time, like not really paying attention to the game, just kind of mindlessly shooting things while kind of gabbing with my friend. Yeah, that's uh, from all I've heard from you and from other people, actually, is that it is a very good game to kind of get caught up over friends with. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are definitely RPG elements, quote-unquote, and the community really dives deep into the quality of the guns and everything. But as I've said time and time again, it is, it is a shooter. And mm-hmm. I don't really think we're going to talk about it much uh, beyond this. I just wanted to acknowledge that, yes, it does exist, and it's coming out, like, next week. So, Yeah, um, I actually meant to ask, because I haven't been paying attention, has, the, has it recovered? Because I know it did not have a very good start. A lot of people dropped it pretty quickly. I don't know if they ever came back or not. I think it's a lot better now. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of people would say that it got, it made some progress last year. And then this past year, especially since Bungie went independent, uh, they've made a lot of like well-received changes. Um, Not to get too deep into the Destiny weeds, but we're running a story next week by Doc Burford, who has been kind of our Destiny correspondent, Mm -hmm. go-to person. And he talks a lot about how there's still not nearly enough rewards given out for the repeatable missions that you're intended to play until your hair turns gray and your eyeballs fall <laughs> out because you just keep great playing these games forever. Uh-huh. But, uh, but you know, that's something that can be improved. Right. Well, please look forward to that feature then. Uh, I think that of all of the games on here, maybe the game that has... So there are a couple of games that stand out to me as having the chance to be the best RPG of the year. Mm-hmm. The first, and they're both Western RPGs. Mm-hmm. The first one is The Outer Worlds. Right, that's going to be a big one. Yes, uh, that is 
by the people who did the original Fallout. Um, mm-hmm. And they also worked in Troika and did Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Both games that are on our top 25 RPG list. They Their games aren't always the you know nicest looking games. They are right. often full of bugs. But they, those people, they know their RPG design. They care about RPG design. Few developers go deeper than Leonard Boyarsky and Tim Kaine. And uh, like everything I played of The Outer Worlds, like it's actually surprisingly polished. Uh, the mission, the, the tonality fits. It's kind of like uh-huh. Futurama. <laughs> That's perfect. I could deal and with the Futurama RPG. It might be smaller than a lot of people hope. I mean, it's certainly not on the level of like a Fallout New Vegas, but it seems like a fun, breezy RPG that is actually quite deep. So if it lives up to its potential, I think it will absolutely be one of the best RPGs of the year. Well, that's good to hear. And frankly, I think we have so many sprawling RPGs that one that's a little uh, more compact won't hurt anyone's feelings. And then one that's coming out next month, and we haven't talked about it much on this podcast, but it mm-hmm. really recently got a release date. And I think everybody should absolutely be paying attention to it. I think the first time it ever came up on this show was when Doc came on here and was gushing about it. And that is Disco uh-huh. Elysium, which, uh, Nadia, we were talking a little bit about this before the show uh, started. I mean, this is a really cool-looking detective RPG, uh, which really puts a huge amount of emphasis on conversation. But it's also right. an open-world game in which you're solving oh, cases and everything. Uh, it looks great. Uh, the um, the gameplay sounds extremely ambitious and really interesting, mm-hmm. and I think that again, if it lives up to its potential, it could be one of the best RPGs of the year. When's it? Uh, what specific day is it coming out? Like what month? October fifteenth, and it's going to be on the PC to start. But you know that if it's a success, it'll come out on everything after that. Yeah, it's always that initial hurdle for me. Like uh, PC, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really. I can't remember off the top of my head what the graphics look like or how much how intensive they are. So, if it's not like too resource intensive, it's probably something I could get away with on my PC, no problem. But if it's like fully three D open world, uh, that might be kind of different. Oh, it's like an isometric RPG. It almost looks kind of like Baldur's Gate or Planescape Torment. Oh, I might be able to handle that then. Yeah, it looks like it's uh, actually a relatively not as resource-intensive kind of game. Uh, And then it's described as intimidate, sweet talk, resort to violence, write poetry, sing karaoke, dance like a beast, or solve the meaning of life, according to the Steam page. Can I, like, uh, write poetry and beat people up? I can do both at the same time. (laughs) It looks like a really open-ended game for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I, I'm excited by this one. That's definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah. So I, I think of those two, um, Outer Worlds and Disco Elysium are probably the most exciting RPGs to me. Nadia, what do you think are the most exciting RPGs uh, to potentially be coming out this year? I guess, like, since I missed out on so many the 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 first time, I'm going to be, like, really cheap and say I'm excited for some of the remakes, like Switcher. I'm very excited to finally play that game. Uh, yeah, and um, some of the, like I said, some of the Western RPGs I really want to get into. Uh, there's just uh, a lot of really good stuff going around, and it's like, oh, I have time to get to all of it. Answer, you don't. <laughs> no. I feel guilty because I've been sitting here doing my job reviewing FIFA, 
And yeah. I've been, you know, enjoying it. It's like it's been a, a fun art. It's been a fun game this year. I, I think it's actually a pretty strong version. Um, but every time I pick up to play FIFA, I feel like that's <laughs> 20 minutes that I'm not spending playing Dragon Quest. Yeah, there's always it's funny you're, when you play stuff, even for work. Uh, there's just always in the back of your mind, hey, you should be playing this. It's like, well, gee whiz, voice, I have to get this done for embargo. Embargo is like, well, no, you have to do this as well. It happened to me this week because I had both Sign Out of Wild Hearts and uh, Link's Awakening to review. I think a game that we should definitely be keeping an eye on is Indivisible. Yes, I absolutely want to play that as well. Uh, I love the art style. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Skullgirl's art style combined with Valkyrie Profile, I mean, okay. It sounds like it should be my dream game. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's really hard to go wrong with it. And I got to play a bit of it at PAX um, not PAX West, but PAX East last year. And, uh, sorry, earlier this year. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I did have some problems with the battle system, but, uh, they, the, the rep I talked to said they are rebalancing it. So I'm not exactly going to hold that against it. What's it too hard? Like, was the battle system like too repetitive? What was up? Oh, it was, it wasn't so much the system itself, but the fact that, uh, the enemies were really guarding themselves and really well armored and you had to perform a certain combo to disarm them um but i had a really hard time pulling it off because it was like a kind of a weird sort of fighting game little input and i said outright hey you know this is fun except i'm having a really hard time with this particular input and the guy who was helping me through the game said yeah like we've had a lot of complaints about that so i figure that's probably something that's been retooled by now that's the, the that's the rub i suppose right i mean a lot of rpgs it's like a genre that theoretically a lot of people picked up once upon a time because it was more story-based and you didn't necessarily have to be extremely skilled to get through, but still yeah. it felt like it was rewarding strength rather than raw inputs, or sorry, intelligence rather than raw inputs. So to have an RPG that's like, nope, it's all about our inputs is kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, um, I always felt like Final Fantasy VI had a good in-between with uh, Sabin's uh, blitz attacks. Because uh, you could put them in, and they were kind of street fighter-y, but you had, you had, you could take your time with them. You could take as long as you needed, and he'd, of course, you didn't need to use them if you didn't want to. Like he was pretty strong on his own. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to be playing Indivisible when it comes out because I feel like I've been anticipating this one for a long time. Uh-huh. But it's another one of those throw it on the pile kind of situations because I, I really want to stay focused on Dragon Quest because I don't want to, I don't want to just put it aside and then never play it again. Yeah, because it, we live in an era where if you put something down, there's a good chance you're not going back to it. Yeah, well, I mean, if I weren't in the games press, it would be a lot easier. But because I am That's in the true. games press, it's just a guarantee that I'm going to keep playing it. And, and then I'm also like on some reviews like later in the year. like I'm on the Death Stranding reviews, so it's inevitable that I'm going to have to put it aside at some point. <laughs> yeah, and of course, I'm on Pokemon. I'm in the same boat. Yeah, we might as well talk about Pokemon. I feel like we've been talking about Pokemon for months now, but I mean, on a scale of one to Surfetched, how excited are you? <laughs> my my constant for Pokemon. I'm excited. I'm Arcanine excited. So, <laughs> well, so that's really excited then. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Every new video that comes out, it just looks like it's a lot of fun. And if the people want to get like, still want to be salty over like, you know, certain the game doesn't look good, good enough, or I won't play it with the national decks, whatever, you do your thing, I'm going to do mine. And I'm just going to, I want it to, like, pet Corviknight. That's all I really want. I want to just have a good, fun time. I feel like Sun and Moon came out during uh, a time in my life when I really needed it. Uh, things were bad with the with the election. 
Um, I was in the hospital for surgery, for major surgery, and just Sun and Moon were just proved to be really good, uplifting games to have at the time, and they were just fun. And I know some people still look back at that, like a lot of the the, the same fans who are complaining about the the national decks are also the same fans to say, oh, the games haven't been good since I don't know, uh, you know, black and white. Uh, you know, Sun and Moon was so bad, it was so sloppy. It's like, no, I, it was probably the most enjoyable Pokemon I played in a very long time. So I'm looking forward to, to what Sword and Shield can do. I'm with those fans. Pokemon hasn't been good since black and white. <laughs> 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 Once it went well, 3D, it further. ruined everything. Go back further and say it hasn't been good since uh, since uh, Red and Blue. No, no, I, I think that Emerald was really good. <laughs> yeah, I know that everyone loves Emerald. And Heart Gold, Soul Silver. No, I, I think going to 3D like really uh, hurt the series in a big way, actually. And I don't think so. I think the games still look perfectly fine. I think they look fine, but the increased um, load bearing that comes with having to design all of the assets and everything, I think, has really uh, hit the actual content pretty hard, especially the end game. And as somebody who was always the most interested in that. I feel continuously let down by just the complete lack of high-level solo content. I'm now mm. at a point where I just I don't have a lot of time to get really good at PvP, um, you know, competitive PvP and that kind of thing. There's just too right. much effort that goes into it. I got a life and that kind of thing. Uh, but I do like you know high-level solo challenges. I beating them can be really enjoyable. It's one of the reasons that I play Fire Emblem Heroes all the damn time. It's because I mean, it's not the greatest game, but it is a lot of fun to try and solve a lot of these maps. Right. Uh, it does feel like there can be a little bit of a challenge at times, and I wish they would find a way to do that with Pokemon. I wish that they would bring back things like the Battle Frontier, where yeah, I actually, would. or the Pokemon World Tournament, where I actually have to try, you know, that actually tests my Pokemon. Because I have an entire stable of level 100 Pokemon. And no, I'm not going to fucking raise an, an entirely <laughs> new set. Raising the Pokemon is not the fun part for me. The end of it and actually using those Pokemon and them being my buddies, that is the fun part. Yeah, that, that, that is all the satisfaction out of it. The, the thing with Game Freak, though, is you never know what you're going to get until you get it. For all we know, they'll come out with a great end game uh, this time around. Or they probably won't. You, you just don't know. They, they have an idea, then they, then they abandon it for whatever I mean, reason. Every year, it's, the, it's just a battle tower, you know? Yeah. And I don't have a lot of uh, hope that it's going to be beyond that. I, I think that it's going to be front-loaded. All, all, all of the new stuff is going to be front-loaded. Like, I think we're already seeing most of it with the cooking and the, the Pokemon Ranch and the Dynamaxing for some reason and the wild areas. Like, that's the new stuff. And then there will mm -hmm. be the story and the cosmetics and then you'll get to the end and it'll be the battle tower and you can raise your pokemon and battle them or whatever and the end game will be you know trying to catch them all and also battling with other people right. which is fine that's a fine end game um for lots of people and that's why pokemon has remained very popular over the years but for me personally i feel a little underserved so that's why like i barely played ultra sun and ultra moon after I finished the, the main story, because it was just like, well, I'm not interested in competitive battling anymore. Therefore, mm -hmm. there's not a ton of point going through the battle tower because I've done that a billion times. I don't feel like there's anything in particular to work toward or earn. So I'm kind of bouncing off this game. 
Well, it, for me, it's it really about like the world and the characters and the monsters and stuff like that. So I, Gala region looks kind of fun and charming, and that that's probably going to be good with me. Yeah, if I want England, I'll just play Forza Horizon Four. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> thing, right? It pretty much is a uh, Pokemon battling from high speed cars. That'd be that'd be interesting. <laughs> I can just drive by each other like you know, hundred kilometers per hour and like whip Pokemon balls at each other out the windows at like high speed and try not to die. See, Forza Horizon Four has set the standard with some really solid Top Gear references. They better have some great like great great British Bake Off ref- references or something like that <laughs> in Sword and Shield. I have high I, expectations I so. for you, Game Freak. So do I. I. Come on, get to the, the great, great. What would that be in the Pokemon world? Like, who would be even like, hosting that? <laughs> I like I said, I don't care anymore that I can't bring my entire Pokemon over. That the national Dex is effectively dead. I'm sure we're going to mm-hmm. be having a lot of conversations about it once the game actually comes out. Just cute. It doesn't matter if I can bring all my Pokemon over if the mm-hmm. content that I would normally want to engage with just isn't there. Right. 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 They need to be in an MMORPG mindset. Give me content, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I given how much like how much time they've had to spend on this one and how hard it is to develop, you know, for probably an HD system versus uh, the 3DS. I wonder if they'll support this one more with like DLC and stuff. They will. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's a it's a bold new frontier, right? I mean, they're on mm-hmm. the Nintendo Switch now. Uh, being on a console brings with it console expectations. So yeah, definitely. they have always been very slow and reluctant to uh, support DLC on, uh, on the 3DS. My understanding was yeah. that part of that was uh, tech issues on the 3DS side. Like it was actually kind of a pain in the ass to do DLC on that thing. Right, um, I could see that being the case. But maybe it will be very different on the Nintendo Switch. I, I really hope so. And yeah. yeah, having like actual you know, interesting DLC to play through would go a long way toward making me want to keep playing Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield for the long haul. Yeah, I think the age when people are going to be, like, really receptive to, like, ultra versions and all of that is kind of over with. People are going to say, why isn't this? People have already said about Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, why isn't this DLC? Why is this a whole new game? I mean, I mean, it's obvious why it's not DLC because, I mean, you got to get onto the new system somehow. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, what? oh, with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I thought you meant Sword and Shield. Yeah, Ultra no, no, Sun sorry. and Ultra Moon really was just DLC. Yeah, and I think, uh, as you say, it's like, okay, fine, the 3DS wasn't great at DLC. I think the only series that tried it very often was Fire Emblem. But uh, those days are over, and it's not like Nintendo is shying away from DLC these days. No, it is a brave new world. And I think maybe... Monster Hunter World Iceborne maybe shows a way forward for the series because when it came to Iceborne, when it comes to Monster Hunter, previously they would always do like Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate, right? Where Mm. you would have the original release and then they would have the Ultimate Edition that would also basically have the original story plus tons of new monsters and content and everything. But Iceborne is just a straight up expansion pack that extends the original story uh, adds the master rank and all of that stuff. And it seems to me that having a big media expansion pack that brings in more monsters from the past and like an updated story and like maybe high level content would be the right way forward for Sword and Shield. Yeah, I could deal with that. I'd be very happy about that. 
I would be extremely happy about that as well, and I would be a lot less salty about it. Just, like, give me a reason to use my one level 100 Pokemon. But <laughs> They're waiting, man. They're waiting. I might not be playing this one at launch because I'm going to be busy with Death Stranding. Yeah. Um, and I'll be kind of keeping an eye on reviews. Like, maybe I'll play it over, uh, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend or something like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'm going to be a lot slower to pick this one up than practically any Pokemon that I've played in the past. Yeah, that makes sense. Like you said, you'll be reviewing something, and if you're kind of waiting to see how it all turns out, then, well, I understand. Yeah. Okay, so I I suppose there's one last RPG that I want to really quickly highlight, and that's Trials of Cold Steel 3. You wrote it as Trials of Cold Steel for some Sorry. reason. Sorry. I, I, I'm so... I'm kind of dyslexic sometimes. <laughs> Nadia, you got to get through Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 so you can play 3. Yeah, I do. Um, I can. I know I can get through one because I'm pretty sure I'm. I'm mostly through one, but uh, two might be might be a tall order before October. What is it like fifteenth or something when it comes out? We might have to have Schreier back on the show so that he can talk about it because he is a big Trails of Cold Steel guy. Oh, is he a fan? Okay, yeah. So we could uh, we could have him on and he can uh, cover the two gap for me. Yeah, we've had him on the show before to talk about it. Have we? I don't remember that for some reason. Yeah, no, we totally did. Um, way back in the day. Like in. when Trails of Cold Steel 2 came out, I think. Or maybe even oh, the okay. original Trails of Cold Steel, because he was a big advocate for it, because he loves uh, Trails in the Sky. Oh, I see. I think I, I think I remember that now. I mean, I ended up really liking Trails of Cold Steel, so I don't know if I'll die if I play 3 without playing 2, but I guess we'll find out. All right, so there you have it. Of the new games that are coming out, we're really excited about The Outer Worlds, and Disco Elysium, and, I mean, maybe to a slightly lesser extent, Pokemon. Trails of Cold Steel 3 definitely has our attention as a port, and Dragon Quest XI-S, I think, is our favorite of the of the actual ports or remakes or updates mm-hmm. or whatever, though, of course, Witcher 3, like, shouldn't be ignored. And one extra thing is, you know, Romancing Saga 3 is also coming out. That is also a thing. <laughs> we'll We'll try and cover it. I would say Romancing Saga 3, like Romancing Saga is not a series that we're extremely familiar with, but it does seem relatively familiar, so or like relatively significant, so maybe we'll uh, uh, get some of that Kawazu magic in here. <laughs> All right, that's our fall RPG preview. If you have any RPGs that we somehow missed, which is entirely possible, we probably did miss something, and or something that you want to shout out, or you just want to like highlight the one that you're the most excited to play, uh, send me an email at the underscore catbot or cat.bailey at usgamer.net. Okay, let's move on to the mailbag. All right, Nadia, it's time for the mailbag. Last week, we added the Super Nintendo to our console RPG quest. And, of course, everybody got very excited about that because who doesn't love the Super Nintendo? And, in fact, it inspired uh, Acts of the Blood God contributor John Learned to write in. He says, "Uh, One port will probably never import, will never probably see outside of emulations a very cool strategy RPG called Feta. I'm a big Shining Force fan, and after Shining Force 2, a big chunk of the team basically made a Shining Force game for the Super Famicom. (laughs) Oh. Oh, sorry. Famicom. <laughs> Famicom. That's right. We got we got yelled at about that. <laughs> it's not as good as uh, Shining Force 2, but I would call it better than Shining Force 3 on the Saturn. Yes, yes, knowing we never got the latter two scenarios. Complete with a sort of busted morality system. Definitely a curio at this point, 
but it just goes to show how much good stuff was on this NES and how inquisitive fans can mine for weird cool games if they do a little digging. That's pretty rad, actually, that there was basically a Shining Force game on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, um, I would be curious about that. I guess it probably wasn't really uh, Fire Emblem quality, but sounds like it was pretty decent. I mean, I think there are a lot of Shining Force fans who would go, Harumph, this is a much better series than Fire Emblem. Yeah, I don't know if they're right or not. I don't know enough <laughs> about either, so, <laughs> either. I don't know enough about Fire Emblem on the in its 16-bit era, and I don't really know enough about Shining Horse, period. All I know is that one of them is going to be the RPG of the year, and the other one doesn't exist anymore, so... Ouch. Owie. Yeah, I think I'm really <laughs> opening a lot of wounds. I, I'm, I'm feeling feisty this week. I think that Apparently. I'm, uh, I've been really going at it in this, uh, in this episode. You gotta burn off all that nervous energy before you get on the flight that goes forever. <laughs> I've been pissing off Digimon fans and Candy Crush fans. <laughs> there are Candy Crush fans? And Shining Force fans, so Shining Force fans will get after me. I apologize already. <laughs> Please don't kill us. Please I don't kill me. <laughs> um, a lot of people are really looking forward to the PS2 episode. And you know what? I gotta say that I am too, Nadia. I am a little bit like funny about that one because I ha- I feel like the PS2 was a pretty big gap in my RPG history. And, but I, I did, of course, play several of the games, but not all of them by any means. Well, Sammy J9 says, I'm looking forward to your PS2 episode. As you said, I think it's actually a lot better than people think. You have the hit- heavy hitters like FF10 and 2, 12, Dragon Quest 8, Nocturne, and Kingdom Hearts, but there are a ton of more of niche and charming RPGs on PS2 as well. It's kind of like the PS1, and then it feels like a lot of games were be- still being very weird and experimental in the pre-HD games days. You got games like Radiata Stories, and it's Majora's Mask, like 24-hour day loop, and Suikoden Styles character recruitment. Rogue Galaxy with its attempt to be a space fantasy that feels very of its time. Dark Cloud 1 and 2 with their town building, fishing, photography, and oh, literally playing a round of golf to help restore the space-time continuum. I could go on, (laughs) but I guess I'll save it for the episode so I'll actually be on topic a bit more. There you go. Uh, PS2 could be a Dark Horse best RPG uh, platform. I feel like my top two are still the SNES and the uh, PlayStation. Nerd. I think that PS2 is better than the original PlayStation. No, that's a hot take right there. In fact, I think that we should rank the RPG consoles when we're done with this. Oh, that should be that should be interesting. Okay, and then also Dave Dalrymple eleven says, Growing up in the nineties, it never felt like we were starved for RPGs. RPGs were meaty games and a good one kept you going for a long time. But at the time same time, being an RPG in the fan fan in the SNES era meant that you tried out every RPG you could find. And any RPG that wasn't egregiously terrible was found to attract a cult following. Seven Saga, for example. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention that one. <laughs> I'll be really interested to hear your memories of the PS1 era. In the wake of FF7's success, there were so many JRPGs in English that you actually had the luxury to be choosy. Of course, many of those RPGs had small print runs and were very hard to find. So there were a ton of weird and obscure RPGs on the PS1. Shout out to Legend of Legea. You could easily fill 90 minutes just by talking about the PS1's biggest and most beloved games, but those art games only tell a small part of the PS1's RPG legacy. See, they're like totally getting in your corner now, Nadia. Yeah, except I really did not like Legend of Ligeia. Uh, well, there you go. Yeah. Because the SNES era of RPGs has been so thoroughly revisited by podcasts, streams, and streamers, and re-releases, its hidden gems have been pretty thoroughly excavated. 
But the respective RPG catalogs of the PS1 and PS2 are chock full of interesting oddballs that have yet to be rediscovered by the retro enthusiast community. And that's why we're doing this series, Nadia, so that we can hit all of these RPGs, uh, these systems, and hopefully excavate some real gems when we're not totally forgetting about them like we did with PC Engine. (laughs) It's very much a public service. Indeed. And uh, I would say that this podcast is a public service, and if you've been enjoying it, uh, you should leave a very positive review. Man, that was an awkward segue. Let's just go with the regular <laughs> one. Axe of the Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. This is the part where I tell you that you should leave a review, because we like reviews. You should also subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out every Wednesday, and it's written by myself and or Nadia, usually Nadia. Uh, follow me on Twitter, the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. And, of course, follow all of the U.S. Gamer social media accounts, uh, it's really revving up in terms of releases. Mm-hmm. We are very busy over on the site, so go check out all of our coverage of all the big games that are coming out in the fall. It's the holidays, folks. We're going to be reviewing a lot of games. Okay, so I will not be here next week. I am going to be in England, but Eric will be taking the helm, and I promise this week, this time, we won't miss it. And if we do, Eric is fired. So, Eric, <laughs> if you're listening to this, pressure's on. Yeah, sorry, dude. Okay, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Katie for coming on the show and for Nadia and myself. Until next time, happy adventuring. Mm-hmm.